Welcome to episode 43 of the Modern Casanova podcast with me, Troy Francis, broadcasting to you live from Budapest. Yes, that's right. I'm in the Hungarian capital city of Budapest in my Airbnb apartment in the Jewish Quarter, which is a very cool area of town if you've ever been here. Lots of bars, lots of clubs, lots of restaurants, lots of different night spots. Really, really good place to be. Lots of old-fashioned buildings, little stores, kind of interesting little passageways and alleyways and so on. So I've been here for a number of days since last weekend, having a really good time, really enjoying it. I love Budapest. I love the city. I love the vibe here. And I wanted to get onto the podcast today to talk to you about Small is Beautiful. So that's the topic for today. Small is beautiful um, in all senses of the word, of course. So I'll get into that in a moment. But just to update you a little bit on my plans and my movements, as I said, uh, in Budapest. So really enjoying that. I'm going to be here until the end of next week, at which point I will go over to Berlin and I will spend probably a week or so at least in Berlin, uh, staying with a friend of mine over there for about a week. Then I may go to my apartment depending on availability because I also rent that out to guests from time to time. So if it's free, I may be staying for a little bit longer. And if it's not, then I may go on elsewhere. So either to another country in the EU or outside of it, or potentially even back to London, because I've got quite a lot of work on, to be honest. And I was talking to another digital nomad or online marketer guy who I'm friends with, who was here with me this week, and we were comparing notes on working remotely or the digital nomad lifestyle, if you like. And the thing is, it's quite difficult. I mean, I've been as I say, in Budapest for for a number of days, for about a week or so, say. And it's really, really hard to get out of holiday mode. You know, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm here, I'm in this city, I'm in this wonderful city, surrounded by all these exciting things and all these sites to see and all of these places to go. But actually, I'm just going to sit in my Airbnb for eight hours a day and work. It's really hard to say that, even when that's your job, even when that was the whole point of this. Because really then it gets to a point where I could be sitting in London in my room working, I could be sitting in Budapest, I could be sitting in Berlin. It doesn't really matter where I am. I'm sitting in a room at the laptop working. Now, there's a wider question here, which is that I haven't scaled my business sufficiently to be able to enjoy the travel, to be able to enjoy the free time. I was looking on Twitter earlier and I saw somebody there, uh, quite a high profile business guy. And he tweeted something like, I didn't give up my cubicle job to go and sit in a WeWork somewhere with a bunch of nerds who are designing apps. You know, I wasn't going to go and sit at a laptop in a beautiful beach resort in this co-working space and work on my startup for 16 hours a day. What would be the fun in that? I may as well just have an ordinary job again. And that really resonated with me because I gave up corporate work. I don't work for anybody now. I'm my own boss. I can travel. I can set my own routine. But the reality is that at the moment, I am still in you know building mode. I'm still building up my online 
brand. I'm still building up my personal brand, if you like, my, my business. I'm developing new products. I'm developing different income streams. And that is a hell of a lot of work. So being completely honest with you guys, at the moment, it's all kind of, I'm still feeling my way with this. And I do think that the idea of traveling is perhaps not compatible with the work that I need to do at this point. Because as much as it's nice to go and spend a week here, a week there, and everything else, all of that is very disruptive and it's not helping me to build the business. In fact, it's actually counter it's actually counterproductive as far as building the business up is concerned. So you know, it's it's okay for this week. I mean, I plan to take it a bit easier throughout July anyway because I've been smashing it um, over the first half of the year. But in the end, I think I need to base myself somewhere. And London works very well for me as a base because it's my home. It's where all my friends are. It has many, many advantages of a big city. It's a very cool place. I enjoy being there. I'm comfortable there and so on. So I don't have to worry about some of the additional issues that you have assimilating yourself into a new country when I'm effectively in my home city. So there's that. Having said that, of course, Berlin has been very good to me. I've got my place in Berlin. So it could be that I base myself there for periods of time as well. But I think what it comes down to in the end is I need a home base or I need to be in a home base for at least a month in order to get some serious work done. And I think I just have to be honest with myself really about where I am. If I'm not yet in the position where I can just go around and travel and kick back and have fun, or, you know, much of the time, then I just have to accept that and I just have to get on with the the work because, as I say, really, I'm just in a building it, I'm in building it mode, I'm in crushing it mode, to quote Gary V, and I just have to accept that and get on with it. So that's how it is. Anyway, on to the topic today, which is related because it's small, it's beautiful. And I wanted to talk about that because I've tweeted about this a little bit this week and I've had some quite good reactions from guys or people reading it, reading my tweets and content about it. And all I wanted to do really with this is just to underline the concept that you don't have to take over the world when you're building an online personal brand. And actually, This applies in your personal life as well. You don't have to make everybody like you. And it's really hard for us, I think, to accept this. It's very hard, certainly for me, because I am a people pleaser. I want everybody to like me, or at least I'm certainly concerned if people don't like me. And I think a lot of us probably have this. I mean, if I see a negative tweet, if I see a troll, commenting on one of my articles, that's going to really bother me. It doesn't matter that I may have received, I don't know, 10 emails, 10 comments saying, I really love your stuff. That one comment is going to, is going to be the one that sticks with me and it's going to stick in my head and it's going to upset me and it's going to, you know, get into my subconscious. subconscious. So I have to accept that I'm not going to please everybody. And actually, it's better, really, not to please everybody. Because if I pleased everybody on the internet, and everybody on the internet followed me, what would that say about my content? Well, it would surely only say one thing. 
my content would have to be so bland that it wouldn't offend anybody who's got internet access. And of course, that's in reality impossible. But if it were possible, think how bland that content would have to be. Think how bland an online personality you would have to be in order to appeal to everybody. So if you're going to be at all edgy or if you're going to be different, if you're going to stand out in any way, if you're going to make a statement about anything, then inevitably you're going to repel certain people. So a classic example of this is people talking about Donald Trump in the run-up to the elections in 2016. Now, you know, I'm not a massive Trump fan, but my views are on this are immaterial, really. The reality is that a lot of people did very well out of Trump's ascendancy in 2016 because they were on social media, they were on Twitter, they were tweeting about Trump, they were... They, they jumped on the Trump bandwagon, if you like. They were reflecting what they felt was good about his policies. They were going along with the Make America Great Again meme. They were building it up. They were capitalizing on that excitement. They, get, they got a load of followers from that. And they cleaned up. Now, of course, Trump is, was and is and remains a very divisive character. So those people who were talking about Trump in 2016 would also have got their fair share of haters as well. And indeed, they did. There were plenty of people in 2016 who were saying, why are you talking about this guy? This is terrible. He can't be our president, blah, 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 blah. So those people will have received a lot of resistance from, you know, around half of the audience. But the people who like Trump, the people who jumped on the MAGA bandwagon, absolutely loved those people. And as a result, those online figures have been, uh, sorry, those online influencers, those online brands, uh, builders have amassed huge audiences, which they can now use in different ways. So, and I'm thinking of a couple of people on Twitter now, but there are loads of examples of this. Originally, they were tweeting a lot about Trump, they were talking a lot about politics. Now they probably talk about those things less. They talk about different things. They might talk about mindset or they might talk about mindfulness or self-help, self-development, um, other topics over and above politics. But it doesn't really matter because through polarizing the audience at the beginning, they created tribes around themselves that were incredibly passionate and those people have, have remained those people have continued following them even as now they they talk less about trump or they talk less about politics so i suppose the point is that polarization is incredibly valuable and i'm thinking now actually this is a little bit of a um this is going off at a tangent a little bit but I remember when we were kids, I used to watch Australian soap operas a lot. So the soap opera Neighbours became incredibly popular in the UK in the, I suppose it was the late 80s, early 90s. And we used to watch that. There was another one, Kylie Minogue was in that, um, if people remember, and Jason Donovan. Lots of other stars. It was wonderful. It seemed so amazing to us Brits. This wonderful, sunny beachy kind of paradise on the other side of the world. It was uh, really engrossing and we used to watch it every day. There was another soap opera called Home and Away that followed a very similar template and we used to watch that one as well. Um, 
Anyway, why did I get onto that? So basically, watching those soap operas as we grew up made me think how new characters would get introduced into the drama. And what would happen would be that whenever a new character was introduced into Neighbours, they would, nine times out of ten, be very controversial at first. So you get a new girl who comes into the so into the storyline, and she is a real bitch at school. She is unpopular. She teases the other the other girls. She creates a lot of enemies. She creates a lot of drama. Or you get a new guy coming into the series, and he would be a rebel, a bad boy, a drifter, a ne'er do well, a down and out kind of suspicious character. And I remember saying to my dad, why is it that these characters always come in uh, with that kind of slightly negative vibe around them? And my father said, because it creates drama. And that stuck with me. And what would often happen with these characters would be the character would come in initially and they would be divisive, they would polarise, they would be very they'd have negative flaws... But as time went on, they would soften and they would become assimilated into the cast and they would become... You'd see them in a more three-dimensional light. You would see their better qualities as well. But I think one of the reasons a lot of those characters went on to be loved so much was because they were polarising at the beginning. So the lesson here really is... Polarisation works, particularly early on. You need to stamp your authority on the content that you're putting out. You need to stamp your personality on it. So there's no point in being lame or being sort of middle of the road. You know, you want to come out with a certain set kind of stance on different issues. Now, it doesn't particularly matter what those issues are. You know, I'm not saying you have to talk about politics. I'm not saying you have to talk about the environment or Brexit or Trump or any of these kind of things. It could be something like the kind of music that you like. It could be something like the sport that you like, the team that you like, the kind of literature you like. You know, it could be that you're saying all poetry is rubbish except for, you know, Renaissance lyricism or something. I mean, it's it's entirely up to you, but you've got to stand for something. And in standing for something, yes, you are going to repel people, or rather, sorry, you're going to uh, push certain people away, but equally, you're going to draw people to you. And now, this is where we come into the thing about size, because the big question, which is on everybody's lips, is, does size matter? And my answer to that is it doesn't. Okay, I'll tell, let me clarify. My answer to that is it does and it doesn't. Let me explain what I mean. Yes, of course, size matters because we all want to be bigger. We all want to have a million followers. We all want to have the biggest Twitter feed of everybody in our sector, if you like. We all want to have the most followers on Facebook. We want to have the biggest email list. We want to have the most views on YouTube and everything else. And one of the difficulties with social media is that, of course, all of that stuff becomes very compulsive. So, you know, whereas, um, you know, when you start off to get 100 followers on Twitter is a massive thing. But then when you get to 5,000, 
Then you're looking at the guys with 10,000. You're thinking, shit, I've only got 5,000 followers. Look at these guys. And then when you get to 10,000, you're looking at the people with 40,000. And you're thinking, what about these guys? And then when you get to 40,000, you're looking at 100,000 and so on and so forth. So it never really ends. You know, there's always going to be another height that you can climb to. But the fundamental point is this. Even with a very small audience, that's still a bloody audience. It's still incredible that you've got those people there that you can talk to. I mean, even if you've got 100 people, and this is a way that it's, it's often been explained to me. Imagine if you got 100 people into a room and you were talking to that 100 people. That's, that's quite a lot of people. You know, if they were all sitting there in front of you in a hall and you were standing up in front of them, you might be nervous. You might think, God, I'm not very good at public speaking. This is really nerve-wracking to speak in front of all of these people. Just because they're online, just because they're on a social platform, we don't tend to think of it that way. So I'll look at one of my platforms and I'll think, oh, there's a, you know, I've got 700 people or something. But 700 people is massive. And, of course, when we think about monetizing it, what does that mean? Well, you, again, you don't need to take on the whole world. And you certainly don't need to at the beginning. Now, I've tried to say many, many times over the last few weeks or months, when I've been talking about this personal brand stuff, I've been talking more about making an income online, making money online. And of course, you know, somebody could look at me and they could say, well, you know, Troy, you, you, you know, you've not got the biggest following in the world. You've not, you, you haven't even got 5,000 people on Twitter yet. You know, your Facebook is even smaller. You've got a few people on Instagram. You know, you haven't got the most, the most enormous um, following in the world. You're certainly not Justin Bieber. You're certainly not Dan Bilzerian. You know, let's get real here. What have you got to, to bring to the party about this? But the point is that even off a relatively small following, which like I've got at the moment, I've been able to give up my job. I've been able to write and publish my own books. I've been able to do coaching and consultation, and I've been able to make a living from that. So that is a really important message that I want you to take from this. Even with a relatively small following, you can make enough money to live without having to have a corporate job. And that my friends, should be for you a really powerful message and a great message for hope. You don't need to have 100,000 people following you. Now, of course, it would be very nice if you did. And don't get me wrong, you know, I, I want, I, my plan is to grow exponentially. You know, I want to reach as many people as I can. I want to push my message out as far and as wide as I can so that I can help as many people as I can, so that I can connect with as many different people as I can, and so that we can build something fantastic around this community that we're building here together. But at the same time, even on a small level, even where I am at the moment, I can still make enough to to survive, to get by, to have a good life. You know, I can travel, I can set my own agenda, I don't have to answer to anybody, I can base myself wherever I like in the world, I can work on projects that I'm passionate about, I can devote myself to what I've always wanted to do, which is my writing and creating content. So my life has become incredible with, when you look at it, is actually a pretty small following, although it's a growing following. So, and also as well, you have to 
I have to, in my situation, I have to be incredibly grateful for you guys. I have to be incredibly grateful for the people that listen to this podcast. And the numbers on this podcast are growing exponentially as well, by the way. So I'm really excited about that. And as I've been saying in recent weeks, this is due for a rebrand and there will be a bit of a rebrand coming up. So watch out for that. But anyway, this podcast is growing and to have the opportunity to speak to you guys every week and to talk about these different things and to really get passionate and excited about them is an incredible thing. And as a content creator, you know, it would be remiss of me to think, oh, well, you know, James Altucher has got a million people listen to his podcast, you know, only a fraction of that listen to mine, so it, it doesn't have value. Of course it has value, because I'm talking to people, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to real human beings who are listening to this, who are feeding back to me, who are commenting, who are becoming motivated by it, who are being inspired by it, who are changing their lives as a result of the things that we discuss on this podcast. That is an incredible thing. So just on the human level, even having a relatively small audience It's still an audience. We're still talking about human beings here. We're still talking about having influence. But, as I say, on the other side of it, which is the the more, I I don't want to say selfish side, because, you know, we all need to earn a living. We all need to, you know, pay the bills and everything. But, you know, from that side of things, you can also monetize a small audience. And, of course, this takes me on to the classic uh, 1,000 True Fans theory, which states that you actually only need a thousand true fans in order to make a living. And the theory is, if you have a thousand passionate, rabid fans who are hanging on to your every word and they want to see the next thing that you bring out, if you, within a year, create products up to the value of $250, let's say, to sell to them, then in a year you can make $250,000. Now, obviously, you you probably need to take costs out of that and everything else, but you get the point. You know, you can make a very, very, very good living off a long, a small group of passionate, loyal customers. And increasingly, in this world of AI, in this world of automation, in this world of cost-cutting and restructuring in corporate companies... For me, this is the way to go. I would rather have a small audience of incredibly engaged, incredibly passionate people, as I do, that I can in- interact with on a weekly, daily, hourly basis on Twitter, and I can sell my products to. I would rather have that than to be in charge or to be employed, let's say, by some vast you know, corporate entity, or indeed to be in charge of my own vast corporate entity. I'm interested in keeping it lean. I'm interested in keeping it lean and authentic and raw. That's not to say that I don't work with other people. I do. I work with editors. I work with designers. I work with book cover artists and so on and so forth. But essentially, I work on my own and I do my own thing. And that's how I like it. And as long as I can keep delivering value using that model, then that is really the way that I want to go. Um, So yeah, size matters because we all want to get bigger. And that's just the reality of it. That's just 
how we are as human beings. And if we didn't have that ambition, then you might look at it and say, well, there's something wrong there because really you should be striving. You should, if you've got something you think is worth saying, then why not say it to as many people as possible? But at the same time, you don't have to get huge in order to create and maintain a fantastic life for yourself and fantastic value for the people that follow your content. So I would say this, and this is a message to myself as much as to anybody else. What's important is not to think about size so much as engagement. And that's very important. What we need to think about here is not whether we're speaking to a million people or 10,000 people or a thousand people. What we need to be thinking about is how well are we engaging with the people that we are speaking to. And in the end, really, I'm only ever speaking to one person. I'm only ever speaking to you. Because even if you're listening to this and your friend or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever is in the same room with you listening to it as well, in the end, I'm interacting with you on an individual level and I'm interacting with that other person on an individual level as well. But the point that I'm making is that communication is person to person. So at the moment, I am speaking to you and you are listening. Now, whether there's one of you or there's 10 of you or there's a thousand of you, or there's 10,000 of you is irrelevant as far as the communion between you and me is concerned. And so if you're creating content, if you are building your own personal brand, and I, I hope that you are, I highly recommend that you do it. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer and pretty much essential for everybody to be getting into this area now in 2018. Then think about it like that. Think about not the numbers, but think about the quality. Think about the quality of engagement, the quality of the message you're putting out, the quality of the conversation that you are creating with your audience. And, and that as well means feeding back with people. You know, when people email me, they send me messages. I try to respond to all of those messages. Now, Sometimes I, maybe I've dropped the ball and I apologize if that's the case, but I do try to respond to everything that everybody sends me because I think it's really important because I want to have a, an open line of dialogue with, with the people that like my stuff. And that's how it should be, I think. That's how it should be. I mean, this is not... It, it works on two levels. Yes, it's about building our, our empires. Yes, it's about building up our you know, our big audiences and monetizing those audiences and making as much money as we can and having a fantastic life and being G and, you know, working on the beach and all the rest of it. Yes, those things are great, but also it's about individual people. It's about value. It's about what can I, as a human being, with the experience that I've had on this planet, impart to you as another human being. And for me, intuitively, when we think of it like that, that's when we do our best work and that is when we get the most engaged people coming to us. And of course, the more engaged those people are, the more likely they're, they're going to be to buy any products that you want to put out there for them to, to consume. So stop worrying about size. Worry instead about how you're engaging with the people that follow you. And just to say... 
Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. As I say, the numbers are really good. The numbers are growing and I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited about that. I do love to do this podcast every week. And thank you to people that have stuck with me. I know the recording quality hasn't always been great. I know that my (laughs) performance on these things hasn't always been that great, but I am working to improve everything. And I am very grateful to you for coming along for the ride with me. And I hope that you will continue to do so. As we upgrade this, as I rebrand, as we take it into different areas and just generally improve the whole thing. So that's it from this episode of the Modern Casanova podcast. Thank you ever so much for tuning in. And now from sunny Budapest, I will say goodbye until next week. Bye-bye.